the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul lays out for us an amazing truth, among many, that the grace of forgiveness of sins is something that we should let flow. Now, what we mean by that is the subject of our time today, here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stan, will take us to Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 9, as we see the power that purchased us and the liberty and confidence that we have in His forgiveness. With more, here's Pastor Jesse and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We've been dealing with what, you guys, over the last three or four weeks? Forgiveness, and more particularly, the forgiveness of sins by God. We want to know the forgiveness of sins, don't we? We want to know God and the pardon of our sins. That is a saving knowledge of God. You can know God in many ways, but if you don't know him in the pardon of your sins, you don't know him. And what I want us to do today is really work through one verse, but I'm going to contextualize it by the whole book of Ephesians, one verse, verse 7 of our text today, in order for us to grasp one more time the essential importance of the forgiveness of sins. Now, my subject is the grace of the forgiveness of sins. Did y'all get that? Now, my title is Let It Flow. Let it flow. Now, what am I talking about letting flow? Not just the forgiveness of sins, but the grace that comes from it. See, I was gripped by Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, pull it up, about a month ago, maybe a little longer, as I was working through the Psalms. And I saw something in verse 7 that I think is worthy of our consideration. This will be our text for preaching today in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of what? But that's not what gripped me. It was line C, according to the riches of his grace. That's what I want you to walk with me with today. I want you to capture it. Lord, help us get it. Help us get why it is important that believers know the full benefits of Christ in terms of the forgiveness of sins. No assurance, no strength, no confidence, no boldness, no perseverance, no recovery, no standing apart from knowing the full benefits of what forgiveness of sins in Christ gives you. And I would say that there are lots of believers in our world today who are living poverty-stricken 
concerning the grace of God because a lack of comprehending how the Father forgives impedes you in your walk with God. Let me make some propositions, and you can follow me. It's going to take a while before we get to our text because I want to drive this home. And a lot of what you're about to hear, you actually heard this morning. For John's epistle opens up addressing and establishing the grounds upon which the believer knows who he knows and why he knows him. And that is in the forgiveness of what? Here's my proposition. The forgiveness of sins is first the consequence of an eternal covenant of grace in Jesus Christ, which leads to a saving knowledge of God as Redeemer, Savior, and Lord. That's my first proposition. It is the consequence of something. Forgiveness of sins is not the cause or ground, but consequent of an eternal covenant of grace and redemption in Christ given to us before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 3 of our text. Ephesians 1 verse 3 plainly says it. Now, here Paul, who is amazing to me, has opened up this epistle rejoicing in God in the way the psalmist does. For those of you who are following us in our psalm study, what you know is we are taught in the psalm study that God is to be what? Blessed. You are to bless God when you know God. And when you know God in the forgiveness of sins, ain't nobody got to force you to bless him. You will know how to bless God who has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. This is one of the evidences that you know you're forgiven. You naturally bless God. You naturally thank God. Here's what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath what? See, we bless God because he has what? Blessed us. We bless God because he has what? Right, and so when you meet blessed people, they're blessing God. Now watch this. They're not going around saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. They're saying, God be blessed. God be blessed. And here's the reason why. He has blessed me with resources I cannot unpack in one message. The blessings are enormous. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. These are three categories for which Paul is saying, if you know God and the forgiveness of sins, you are massively blessed. The proposition then is forgiveness of sins is the consequence of an eternal blessing. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. You guys have heard this before, but I want you to hear it again. Learn to memorize these verses. They establish for you clarity on the gospel. For God hath not given us the spirit of what? That means it is not God's intention for us to walk around doubting whether or not we are saved. But we will when we don't know and have not plumbed the depths of this massive grace called forgiveness of sins. We will doubt, won't we? We will fear. We will waver, we will vacillate, but it's not a spirit given to us by God. For the spirit given to us by God gives us all confidence through a knowledge of him on the grounds of forgiveness of sins. Notice what it says, but of what? Power and of what? Love and of a sound mind. Verse 8, here it is. But be thou therefore not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be you a partaker of the what? 
afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9, here it is. Learn this one. God who hath what? Saved us, past tense. And then what? Called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own what? And what? Which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. Do you understand by the time you come to know him in the forgiveness of sins, you are a beneficiary of an eternal covenant of grace. So I'm getting ready to talk to you about the framework of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Go back there. We're going to do a little what I call wrestling with the text. And then we are going to submit to the teaching. We're going to wrestle with the text and then submit to the teaching. This is what we call expository preaching. We labor in the Word, and we submit to its clarity. That's where we are today. And so my second proposition is this, that forgiveness of sins is a key. Say key. It's a key or access into the riches of Christ's fullness in order that we who believe might experience the total benefits of Christ's personal wealth and resources aimed at bringing the believer all the way to glory. The forgiveness of sins is a key into the riches of Christ's fullness in order that we who believe might experience the total benefits of Christ's personal, here's the word, wealth and resources. And the aim of them is to bring the believer all the way to glory. Learn another verse, Psalm 84, verse 11. The Lord is a shield and buckler to all that trust him. Do you believe that? Now watch this. If God is your shield, do you have anything to fear? So why are you fearing? Because you fail to understand how God has so encompassed you with himself. That Listen, if you know he has shielded you, You can just rest in the Lord, can't you? Even though the darts are coming and the fiery darts and the arrows, you can rest behind the infinitude of God's back. For the Lord will give what? Grace and what? The Lord will give grace and glory. Watch this. If you have the grace of God, it's designed to lead you infallibly to the glory of God. If you know God in his saving grace, you are assured of glory. If he has given you grace, you've already got glory. It's just a matter of the process. Am I making some sense? Very important for you to get it. The Lord shields his people. The Lord gives his people grace in order to lead them where? No good thing will he withhold from them that what? That believe him. That trust him. That lean upon him. That depend upon him. And God's unfolding good things to us even right now. The one concept I want to drive home, anchor in your soul, is the blessing of the forgiveness of sins. Go back to our text. Let's work this through now. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me plainly say that as we make our way through our text, the seventh verse is where you and I want to really work and consider what does Paul mean when he says what he says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. What is he implying by those three clauses in that line? That's what I want us to get at. But before we do, let me plainly say the subject of chapter 1 is given to us in verse 3, all spiritual blessings. That's the subject. Now, the reason why that's the subject is because 
The language of chapter 1 is covenantal. Covenantal. Now, some of you have been blessed to understand your Bibles through a framework of covenant at grace. Is that right? The word covenant doesn't bother you. How many of you guys understand God is a covenant God? Raise your hand. God's a covenant God. If you don't know him as a covenant God, you don't know him. Now, what that means is God does not act arbitrarily. God is not whimsical, and God is not the kind of fickle God that often people not only depict him to be, but present him as. God works according to a counsel and a will and a decree called covenant. Now, what covenant means is there are parties in the covenant who are beneficiaries of the blessings of the covenant for which the benefactor himself is obligated to make it so. We call it in New Testament language, the gospel. When you call yourself a gospeler or a believer of the gospel, you are a believer of God's covenantal purpose in your life. Now, when I say that Ephesians chapter 1 is covenantal in its language, I'm getting ready to demonstrate to you that all of the nomenclature and terminology of chapter 1, verses 1 through 22, is all language that's found in the covenant terminology of the Old Testament. Nothing new. It's all old, but it's fresh and vital in Christ. We're getting ready to look at those terms and concepts in preparation for you to benefit from the forgiveness of sins, which is at the center of what I'm calling the Ten Commandments or Ten Instructions, not commandments, but indicatives of the believer's life. The seventh is you and I are forgiven. We are forgiven sinners if you believe in Christ. Like the center of the Decalogue is to honor your mother and father that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God hath given you, right? The center of the New Testament gospel is we are forgiven sinners through the redemption of Christ's blood according to the riches of his grace. You know what that means? You are rich. Now you need to get a handle on all that because it starts with understanding forgiveness as the key and access into those blessings. And that principle is given to us by God all through the Bible. Now, when I say that the language is covenantal, I'm also saying that it is clearly Trinitarian. For when you understand covenant theology, you understand God as a tri-personal being. Is that right? Father, what? Son, what? Holy Ghost. And all three persons work collaboratively for your salvation. The Father works for your salvation. The Son works for your salvation. The Holy Ghost, what? Works for your salvation. Isn't that what we learn, ladies, in WTC? We have three men, if we use the metaphor anthropomorphically, three men who loves you dearly enough to purpose you, purchase you, and possess you. That's what our text teaches. In verses 1 through 4, we will not go through it. The the primary subject of verses 1 through 4 is the Father. The primary subject of verses 1 through 4 of Ephesians chapter 1 is the Father. How do we know? Paul has just said, blessed be the God and what? Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The primary subject of verses 4 through 13 is this pronoun in him or in whom. Who is the whom in our text? Christ. 
Christ, the in Him. That's the theme that we run in our church, in Him. Is that right? All the blessings are what? In Him. Our whole salvation is wrapped up where? In Him. We know the pronoun. We never scratch our head wondering who is the Him. This Bible is a what kind of book? A Him book. And it's about, what's His name? Jesus Christ. See, we don't have to call His name because we know Him. In whom we have redemption. Verses 4 through 13 really are primarily around the second person of the blessed triune Godhead. And when you get to verse 13 and move to verse 19, we are dealing with the third person. The Spirit of God, which Paul calls the Spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And what you see then in chapter 1 is the work of the Father through the Son, by the Spirit, in the life of God's people. Now, here's what I love about verses 19 through 22. Verses 19 through 22, for those of us who realize God has prepared a glorious gospel plan, a covenant theme for a particular people. And you know who those people are called in this text? The last covenant paradigm. See, we know three covenant paradigms frame our Bibles, right? What's the first one? Father, son. Second one, king, servant. Last one, husband, wife. So here's what Paul says. The God who raised Christ from the dead by an eternal power is now working in his people to bring about a fullness in them for Christ as Christ's glory. And here's the point. The church or the bride of Christ is the fullness of Christ. Is he not? The church or the body of believers is called to be the fullness. Look at verse 20. Notice what it says, verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ the Father when he what? Raised him from the dead, sat him at his own right hand in the what? That's another piece of language that is so key to the book of Ephesians. Verse 21. Here it is. He's now talking about the authority and supremacy and rule of Christ. He's far above all principalities, powers, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Do you believe that? Now, now watch this now. If you know him, you know the name of Jesus is exalted by the Father above every name. Do you believe it? That everything is subsumed under him because it was made by him and made for his glory. And he, can, he holds it all together, good, bad, and ugly evil things and good things and temporary things and eternal things and carnal things and spiritual things. Christ holds all things together. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. He has the highest name. Y'all got it? He has the highest name. Now, when you love your husbands, I ain't trying to get nobody in trouble today. When you love your husband, you esteem him. And if you say you love Christ, as the Father loves Christ, you esteem him. And here's what he who sits above everything in the universe has done. Not only in this world, but the world to come. Verse 22, watch this. And he hath put all things, the Father, under his feet. We believe that, right? And gave him to be the head over all things to the what? Christ rules over all things for the good of every believer. Y'all got that? He is sovereign Lord for us. Now watch this last verse. I want you to get it. He rules over everything for us in order that you and I might be everything he has called us to be in him. Look at verse 23, which is his body. Are we the body? Is he the head? 
Is he the bridegroom? Are we the bride? Is he the husband? Are we the wife? Are we therefore, as the Genesis narrative plainly said, called to be the expression and fullness of the man? Does the man's glory get worked out through his wife? So the church becomes the means by which the world knows God in Christ. Very important. Look at it. Which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all things. What is the body? The fullness. What is the body? The what? Right. So you have a responsibility to figure out what that means. You and I don't get to be shallow. We don't get to be ignorant or negligent of our calling to be the fullness of Christ. I want it, don't you? Watch this. Let it flow. Say that. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow from heaven down. Let it come into our life. Let it impact us. Let it inform us. Let it transform us. Let it work in us and through us so the whole world can know there is a God. There is a Savior. And there is a salvation to be had before we perish under God's wrath. The goal of the church is to glorify God as his body in this world. Now, here's what I want you to comprehend as we are thinking about this enormous triune work of the Father in his loving purpose, of the Son in his loving purchase, we'll get there in a moment, and the Spirit in his loving possession, and the work of the church in its response to all three, the whole of the book of Ephesians works itself out this way. You can write it down or you can get the CD and listen to it ten times. Chapter 1 through 3 underscore the wealth and riches that are in Christ. Chapter 4 and 5 underscore the work by Christ through the church. Chapter 4 and 5. Chapter 6 describes the warfare that we fight because of the work that he has given us and the wealth that he has promised us. Y'all got that? Chapters 1 and 3, wealth. Chapter 4 and 5, work. Chapter 6, warfare. Chapter 1 through 3, wealth. Chapter 4 and 5, a walk. Y'all got that? That's our walk. Our walk with God. And chapter 6, what? Warfare. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about the privilege of being in a spiritual war. Now, Pastor, what are you talking about, privilege? Can I make it plain? If you are in this spiritual war... It's because God has redeemed you out of the dark kingdom. He has placed you in the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of light, you possess the wealth of Christ as you walk with God, but you've got to war to keep it. Did you get it? Now, this here's the paradigm of the Old Testament. Israel is in bondage to Egypt. God comes and busts them out, doesn't he? He redeems them by what? Blood. Is that a covenant term? And then he brings them to himself, does he not? He teaches them, and then he brings them into what? The promised land. In the promised land is where the wealth is. In the promised land is where the walk is. And in the promised land is where the what is? The warfare. Y'all got it? That's your framework for the whole book of Ephesians. We will unpack that over the rest of this summer into the fall. Now, moreover, as we are dealing with this framework, 
I want to show you briefly the 10 what I call nomenclatures or terminology that describe the wealth and resources that Christ has given to you and me. In verse 3, we have already discovered that we have all spiritual what? Blessings. Is blessing a covenant term? From Genesis to Revelation, remember what the Bible says? God created them male and female in the image of God created he them and God what? Blessed them. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, for directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.